You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids you Radio. You may know Rachel Coops from McLeod's Daughters or from Play School. I know her from yoga. There's a yoga school called Jiva Mukti that have a particular way of doing things. For example, at the start of the class, they can chant. Sometimes you even get a little massage at the end. It's just a small, it's just a little bit addictive. Anyway, not so long ago, I did a class and Rachel was teaching it. Rachel is a single parent to Gabrielle, who is four. Yoga is a big part of her life, and I thought it was a great opportunity to talk to her about it. Hi, Rachel. How are you? I'm good. It's really, until you've done Jeeva Mukti, I don't think you can really you understand. Really no. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought that perhaps that little massage at the end might get people understanding why yeah. we love it so much. Um, there are lots of different styles of yoga out there. Yeah. How would you define the Jeeva Mukti approach? The, there's a very strong connection to lineage. So there's a very strong connection to your teachers that goes right back to when yoga first was introduced to the West. It is a dynamic style of, I guess, vinyasa, the, that word people resonates, but a lot of people understand what it is, which is, you know, connecting different seats or postures together in a way that gets you to experience um, trying to move body, breath, and noticing how by going into quite a, a dynamic experience or um, a deep experience, you can take that off the mat. So I always think of it like, as like a reflection, whatever I'm out on the mat guaranteed is what's happening in life. Um, and it's it serves as quite a guess it's a rigorous practice. It's certainly not a, a gentle or a slow yin style, yin being more lunar, more moon energy, like grounding, relaxing. You certainly feel relaxation at the end, but the experience, there's, it requires a certain amount of effort and discipline, I think. And there's a strong focus on dharma, which is the philosophical teachings and understanding Essentially, what yoga really is and the asana, the physical postures are just a little part of that. <laughs> now, you, as I mentioned, you're an actor, mm -hmm. so you've done a lot of um, television and also play school and mm -hmm. you still write for play school today. When did you decide you wanted to be a yoga teacher? Because that's a huge commitment, particularly in the style of yoga that you teach. Mm. So... Yoga really came to me as a teenager, like quite late in my teens, and it tapped me on the shoulder at a time when I really needed some support in dealing with, I guess, what a lot of teenagers do who are quite, I'm, I'm quite in my head a lot of the time. And it was actually a psychologist friend who gave me a book called Buddhism Without Beliefs. And after reading that, I, I went into some yoga philosophy, very basic, and got on the yoga mat and it was like, oh my God, I'm home. 10 years later, after kind of dabbling a bit more in the philosophy and practicing a lot, I really noticed the pattern for me when I wasn't practicing, what a different person I was. <laughs> and the times when I really had a dedicated practice, uh, what a better person I was and how much <laughs> easier and more graceful life is. And I'm not one of these people who's like, you know, gets a little tap on the shoulder from the universe and goes, oh, I really need to change something in my life. I'm someone who like, I get hit by a car <laughs> and then I go, 
oh, maybe I'm on the wrong path. Oh, well, I'll keep plodding along. And then I get hit by a train and then I, and then I kind of <laughs> learn the lesson. So yep. yoga, I think, brought a tiny bit more grace in noticing the changes I needed to make in my life and then, and, and, and integrating those changes in a way that was a bit more graceful. So I really, by the time I was, after 10 years of practice, I started to work with young people actually is how I really wanted to, um, I guess, explore it a little deeper as a teacher was I thought, what a great gift you can give to young people because I had that experience as a teenager. So I started teaching young people and teaching yoga and I thought I was going to kind of integrate them as it turned out. I'm doing more of that now. I did very much go on a, a kind of a separate path, still working in communities with young people and still, but doing more storytelling with them. And I just have such a strong belief in the power of yoga and that's why I teach and that's why I've continued going deeper into teaching and done over, you know, a thousand hours of teacher training now and and I just, the more I do, the more I love it and the more I I recognize and the the less I do it and, and as a parent you would know, as we talked about earlier, the challenges of trying to maintain some form of meditation and physical practice, um, I really notice when I'm not practicing that I'm just not as good a parent. So you mentioned that uh, for you, these lessons come to you like a, a car or a train. You get bowled over. And that to me sounds like parenthood in a nutshell. Mm. Did you find yoga helped you become a parent? Were, did it make you more aware or were you just as overwhelmed and lost? Because it's a huge physical, emotional experience where we're often just a bit rudderless after we have our children. I was completely overwhelmed and I lost my faith in the practice actually because I was, you know, a single parent, not planned to be single parent. (laughs) Um, Gabriel had reflux, so he woke every 45 minutes for almost 18 months. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. (laughs) Like a lot of other um, mums, my my family – were as helpful as they could be, but they work. And I really struggled. I really, really struggled. And my life was not at all how I had envisaged it. And I was getting on stage when he was four months old, which we were on the road touring with play school and, you know, singing, if you're happy and you know it, and then going home and going, I'm a liar. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was clapping my hands and I did not mean it. (laughs) So... What it did do was invite me to actually practice what I preach, which is that is the yoga. Like the yoga is going, yes, I am completely overwhelmed. And what is, is. The more there's this whole concept in yoga, uh, the kleshas are like considered some obstacles to yoga or obstacles to the experience of feeling peaceful. And parenthood really highlighted them for me and I got to practice them in a way that was quite practical. Um, For example, asmita is like your ego. So this sense of self that I used to have, I completely lost. And rudderless is the word that you used. I felt completely rudderless. And the more I tried to hold on to changing my experience, that is wanting more sleep, wanting things to be different, wanting to be who I was prior to having Gabriel and being in this, at the time, horrendous situation, traumatic situation, the more I clung on to that, the harder things got. 
So for me, the practice became far less physical because I was tired. I, I could not have, there is no way I could have continued an Ashtanga and Jiva Mukti practice, which are both very dynamic physical practices, which I'd done, you know, I was doing headstand when I was 37 weeks pregnant. <laughs> it was insane. But, but post, you just can't. So for me, I had to go really deeply into the philosophy. I had to go really deeply into things like chanting, which I traditionally don't love. Like I'm not a big chanter. I'm not, I, I, I never felt what a lot of people feel from, from chanting for whatever reason. But, you know, three o'clock in the morning when you have a baby who's been screaming for 45 minutes and you're worried about your neighbours because you're living in an apartment, I would chant. I'd like put on one of the, the chants that I know and love on iTunes and I would chant. So I had to go back to, you know, a lot of the very traditional old practices that have nothing to do with the physical. And that's when I fell even deeper in love with the philosophy. But I don't, I think there's a misconception that, you know, yoga is about things when you feel rudderless or when you feel overwhelmed or when you feel like life is pummeling you, that yoga blisses you out. I think that's a fallacy. I think yoga invites you to to notice that and to feel that. And instead of clinging to what isn't, starting to be okay with what is. And so that probably was what got me through was constantly coming back to just going. The more you try and get out of this experience, the more you, you hold on to something that is no more. That's certainly true. I mean, that's a big part of parenting, isn't it, is oh, letting go of who you so were. And, <laughs> yeah, we're still doing it, even though Gabrielle's four. I mean, how do you... For, and how much do you practice now? Because you also teach now and, and like many parents, your work is sort of revolving around Gabrielle, I imagine, and mm. trying to find the times that work in with him. I've always looked at my yoga teachers and, you know, we're there at six o'clock in the morning. I'm thinking, you got up this morning at three, didn't you? You know, I'm going down into a person. You got up. You'll get up every morning without trouble. Do you do that now? No, I don't. And, you know, I really feel like the gift of Gabriel is that I've become a lot less dogmatic in my approach to yoga because I've been forced to. <laughs> so, no, I don't get up before he wakes up because he's still at an age where he doesn't, he wakes up sometimes in the night. I don't get enough sleep. I often work when he goes to sleep. So I don't get to sleep until, you know, 11 or 12 sometimes. And then he's up at four or five and particularly at the moment with the crazy full moon. Um, but I, no, I'm not at all, I have a very consistent practice now, but it's consistent in a different way. So if I get five minutes of meditation at some point during the day and I get 10 minutes with him, you know, rolling around on the floor, great. I do find when I prioritize the time to practice and as he's getting older, that's becoming more achievable. So actually investing, you know, time and energy in getting back on the mat for longer periods of time, I find it helpful in managing life. So I do, but I think there's a time for that in life. And I don't think when your kids are really small, unless you have one of these babies that apparently exist, (laughs) that sleep for four hour chunks and all that stuff. I'm like, maybe, maybe, but I think, you know, I think my perspective on 
and I try and I definitely try to preach that when I teach as well you know that we we absolutely have to do our best and put effort into our practice but what the practice looks like over time changes because otherwise you think about people who are ill like really ill and can't get on the mat does that mean then they can no longer practice yoga absolutely that does not mean that so yeah I I do I do prioritize it at the moment more than I have in the past four years but it's definitely my life looks nothing like what it did pre-G I always call that era like pre-G <laughs> like BC yes pre-G, pre-G. <laughs> when I when I did two hours minimum a day wow you know? that's incredible so what would you say to any mum with a small child who's thinking like you did I wish I could get back to it might not be yoga it might be they were running every day or they were going to the gym all the time and they're sitting there with their baby and they're breastfeeding and they feel like, oh, I just, you know, I miss that. Mm. What would you, what advice would you give them for that part of their life? What is, is, and it changes. If kids teach you nothing else, it's that we can't get attached, good or bad, you know, pleasure or pain to the present experience with them. Because if we are, we're in serious trouble, either in the, the present or the future. Because if we really want them to stay how they are when they're sleeping and and going through a good phase, in inverted commas, you know, then we're in big trouble in about six months' time when the terrible twos kick in or testosterone starts coming into boys or whatever <laughs> else it is, right? But in this, at the same time, when you feel like it's always going to be like this, it's not. If you really want to be practicing yoga as a parent the more we are conscious in the experience the more we're going to experience yoga which is experiencing a peaceful life or or moving towards a sense of peace and so fundamentally whether it is and and eventually you do you know once they go to school you do get more time you're going to be running again you're going to be um doing your cycling more of your cycling and but then there's going to be new challenges that arise and then and I'm at this phase now when he's four and I've suddenly realized oh my god the baby's nearly gone he's still got his cheeks oh those cheeks you know but the baby's nearly gone yeah and it's that grief around that and going oh I, I wanted this so much and then now that he is getting more independent no I can do it no I can do it you're like okay so now here we are, we're at this new place. So it's what is, is. I think that's the most, the biggest gift that yoga's given me as a parent. And it's hard. It's a really hard and challenging kind of lesson, but I think it's, there's a lot of richness in that. Rachel, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Thanks for having me. That's Rachel Coop. She's an actor, play school presenter and writer and yoga teacher. You've been listening to a Kindling Conversation podcast. We'd like to reach as many parents as possible, and you can help us by giving us a review wherever you downloaded this episode. It means that more people can find us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.